As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of Hear That Podcast Growling is Visa, a network working for everyone. All right, welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast growling, the walkout edition following a Bengals win. A Bengals win. Bengals beat the Minnesota Vikings 27 to 24 in overtime. Evan McPherson at the gun for the win as uh, the Bengals win a game, Jay, that we have seen them find ways to lose over and over and over again the last two years. I don't know. Maybe something. Maybe something's different this year because that ended differently than this game has always ended in the Zach Taylor era. Yeah, it found like it seemed like they found a couple ways to lose this one too, and still got bailed out. I mean, what are the odds that that Dalvin Cook fumbles when they're basically? on the edge of field goal range. And yes, you make a play, you win the game, but it's it's just, I still wonder, did that really happen? I mean, it was just a crazy game. I keep going back to what you talked about, how their, their variance of what this season could be, could be so wide. And it almost feels like that entire spectrum happened today where it, this could have been the worst of worst possible losses. And instead it feels like, the best of the best. I mean, to pull that game out the way they did when it looked like they were dead in the water, Joe Burrow talked about it. Ever we, we have the stats to back it up. You win the opener, it really has a chance to snowball and carry you. And when you win in that fashion, there's no guarantee it carries over to week two of Chicago, but it's a hell of a lot better feeling for those guys tonight than it would have been had they blown that. Well, we just spent a bunch of time talking about how the openers the last two years, the like – just went losing games they had no business losing in Seattle or last year with CZ Cavs against the Chargers in the opener. You know, those felt like the what-if element, right? Like, what if that would have happened? How differently the year could have gone 
Well, now we can figure out how differently the year could have gone. Yeah. And I thought an interesting thing that came of this was Joe Burrow after the game uh, talking about winning the opener and the confidence. He's like, yeah, you guys asked me about that earlier in the week. And I really just kind of shrugged it off and didn't make a big deal of it. But it was a big deal. It is a big deal. And, I, you know, at his point of it, this team needs this. Yes. In the position that they're in, they they're young, but they they have a good vibe going. But they're young, and they've lost a bunch, and they need to believe that they can go out there and win these games. And maybe it took them getting handed one to build that, uh, but they needed this uh, to try to build that confidence and belief that this is the new era of football that they've been promised, and, and hope that that does go a long way. Yeah, because if they come out and they lose this game, you know, 28 to 14 or whatever, and it's you can just put it aside as, well, we, we came out flat, whatever would whatever the excuse would be. But you blow a 14-point lead, and you have a history of blowing these kind of games. You've had the stat 4-8 and eight after leading at halftime. I mean, yeah, in Seattle they had a lead, but I don't think it was ever more than four. And the, the, the Chargers came last year. I can't remember what their biggest lead, but it wasn't 14. That it would have been a major hit to the confidence to, to blow this game. It would have been a serious, here we go again. Wouldn't have been voiced, I don't think, but it would have been the back of every player and every coach's mind as they try to get ready for week two. Now it covers up all the warts. You go back to work, try to fix the things that weren't so great today because there were a number of those. And it's just, it, 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 it's almost like you can gloss over like I said, the warts, and, and just move on. And you and I have talked about it a lot. Young, brash team, full of confident guys. Pull one out like this, and you can really see it possibly snowballing with the way that this schedule lines up. But the bottom line was <laughs> they did blow it. They did. They blew it. I mean, you, you're you up 14 with the ball late in the third, and you go from the moment they went for it. Uh, on fourth down and don't get it, and instantly a cover zero blows up in their face, and I'm having Terrell Austin against Pittsburgh <laughs> flashbacks, and you're and you're just thinking, how did you let this thing get out of control? You had numerous opportunities, a third and four, and a fourth and three at midfield, essentially with a chance to ice the game. If you get a first down, it's basically over. Minnesota was just the one timeout left, and you do a soft Joe Mixon run up the middle and then you choose to punt on fourth and three and uh, and open the door and you can't get the stop on a fourth down as the as Minnesota's doing a wild drive in the last minute and then you then you let another play come up I mean you you let them come all the way out of their own end and you blow every opportunity to end the game and you just think you know, does that mean that they have overcome it just because they were able to find a way to have Dalvin Cook fumble it back to them? There's there's a lot to unpack on that, but I I do think it's sort of a cautious, optimistic step out of this game. Let's not yeah. overreact because there were a whole lot of the same things that we have seen from this team in the past, still a part of this thing. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing with that decision to go for it on fourth and one at his own 30, I mean, people are skewering Zach Taylor. It didn't work. Obviously it's not like it was totally out of character. 
It wasn't like some crazy harebrained idea. They, since he got here, they've gone for it 53 times on fourth down. That's tied for second most in the league. They, he has a history of this, and they, they play the analytics, and maybe they didn't this time. They, that wasn't going to give them – he, he talked about wanting to win the game right there. That's not necessarily the case. It's an 89% chance of winning. If you make it, it's 88% if you don't make it or if you punt it. So I just so – The analytics said the win probability goes up 1%, 1% by going for it. So technically the analytics say that's the right move. Now – if you polled 31 other coaches, how many would go for it in that spot? Right. I mean, some some play the analytic game. And, and you know, Bengals fans have been begging for aggression yeah. and analytics right. and all that stuff for a while. So getting mad if he goes for it. Now, he bemoaned the play call, which was didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But I still – the way the defense was playing and the setup of the game is not taken into account when you think about that. That's why yeah. I didn't like that as much. Not because maybe the numbers say what they say, but your defense is playing so well. Force them force them to go the length. Don't give yes. them a chance to gain the momentum back, especially then they immediately did. It, you, what it reminded me of, I'm an Ohio State fan, and that national championship game against Florida, and they were getting their doors blown off in the first half. And early in the second half, Trestle goes for it about the same spot on the field. I'd have to go back and look, and it was a total panic move. This was a totally different situation. You're up by 14. You're not down. You're not just trying to create some momentum. I, I get where he comes from. I just I don't feel like the 1% chance of improving your win probability was worth the risk. Opening up and, the doors of momentum. Right, yeah. which is exactly what happened. Yes. And the next thing you know, you're in a one-score game and you're about in a battle for your life. The other decision was, you know, because it's saying, okay, well, here, because here's what comes from that. Players, to a man, we love that, right? We mm. love the confidence and, and the, we want to be aggressive players. And it shows that that's, we're going to come out here to win the game and not to not lose it and, and all that other stuff. And, and I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm supportive of that. I understand that. I don't have necessarily a problem with that. So then what happened later? So then what happened on third and four and fourth and three at midfield? Shrinkage. <laughs> Did, and and in a lot of the play calling down the stretch yeah, where it was just running the ball and not really letting Joe Burrow try to go win you the game. It, there was a point where I thought because Burrow came off limping and holding his shoulder after mm. the last sack, the fifth sack. And there was a point, is Burrow hurt and we don't know it because they're not letting him do anything. They didn't let him throw on third and four. You know, all these things. And you're thinking – What's going on here? That to me was against everything that, yeah. that we thought that were they were about. And that, if you look at the analytics, shows the percentages were massively in favor of going for it on fourth and three in that spot instead of punting. And I think the, the way it turned out is part of the reason why. Yeah, well, it was seventy eight percent if you go for it and get it. It was seventy two percent if you if six six percent difference. Six percent. It was actually five and a half. Yeah, but that's. That's that's a big big deal. I, I wonder how much of it too was. It was weird. I, I was thinking the same thing. Why aren't they letting Burrow throw it? He said he wasn't hurt, but they were running the ball really well, and and Mixon was running it well. But still, it just didn't. It didn't seem like the spot for it there. You, if you're gonna be, you, you almost have to say this is who I am. You can't be super aggressive on one hand and then flip 
the other side and, and get super conservative. That's, I think, what drives fans nuts. If you say this is who we are and we're going to do it every time, I think they can ride with it. But I, I, it was surprising that they, they kind of turned in that direction and then flipped back the other way. I don't know what we would call that fourth and inches at their own 48. It's basically if you punt, it's a tie. If you don't get it, Minnesota needs, what, 10 yards there in field goal range. If you do get it, you're in field goal range. I mean, it was the ultimate win-loser-draw decision, and they they come up with a perfect play call and, and hit the floater to C.J. Uzama, and it was over after that. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The cojones. Yes. Well, the, the, the words that were used. Let's see. We had ballsy. ballsy. We had cojones. We had gutsy. gutsy. And then. Uh, Fearless. Yeah. Fear, I mean, and it is. Here, here's what happened. You end up fourth and a, I'm not going to call it inches. Yes. I'm not going to call it centimeter. I'm going to call it fourth and a, the ref needs glasses. <laughs> and he's bending over for four seconds looking to see if it's over the chain or not. Can we get a laser? <laughs> In 2021, can we get a laser pointer that goes across the field and not like old ref leaning over trying to look at the chain link? But you end up at fourth and a ref needs uh, glasses. And and you, he gets up there and, and you see Minnesota is crowding for the sneak, which they'd used successfully in a fourth mm-hmm. down earlier in the game. And Burrow stands up and does the check. And he checks over to a play. Now, they said this is a play they'd run multiple times. They said in three years, the ball had never gone to C.J. Uzama on said <laughs> play. You might remember this play last year from the game winner against Cleveland where this time it was was Tyler Boyd, I guess, running the, running the, the motion back and forth. Well, apparently in practice this past week, they had actually run one on air where he did throw it to CJ just because he wanted to go over the way it kind of looked. Burrow wanted to redo something over the way it looked to his eye when they had run it. And he pointed out, man, he's very glad that he did go back through and double check that the next time. The attention to detail that you get from a good quarterback. And sure enough, in this spot, needing an eyelash, he drops back and throws it. 26 yards in the air over the top of the defense to C.J. Uzama and drops it right in, and C.J. rumbles down. And next thing you know, Evan McPherson through the middle for the win. That is – I mean, that is the gutsiest throw I've seen in this stadium in ages. I mean, it's just to do that, to have the confidence to do that, to to have the – 
the bravado to do that, to want to do it, man, that's why you love Joe Burrow. And that's why this city loves Joe Burrow because that's what he wants. That's what, who he wants to be. What makes it even gutsier is that's not the way he normally throws a ball. That was like a soft lob. You know, it, that he does have great touch, and that's not, but that's not the way he normally throws the ball. That's not the way the receivers normally catch balls. I can only imagine what's going through CJ Uzama's mind as he's looking up and the ball's hanging in the air forever. Those easy ones sometimes end up being the hardest ones to catch. But it was. It was, even though CJ had a, a step or so on the defender, it still. It, it takes a really good throw, and that's what he said, the one in practice. He didn't throw a good ball, and he said C.J. wasn't ready for it. And they go back, they do it again, they get it right, and then it, it pays off with 1-0 and today. And there's a few other aspects to this game. Number one is, I, I guess maybe Jamar Chase was all right the whole time. <laughs> like, I, you know – I suggested that um, since it's apparent the preseason means nothing, we just cancel it and give all the reporters August off and just call it, and then we'll just all go on vacations then. Because, you know, much ado about nothing as Jamar Chase comes out and is the most explosive element of the passing game. You know, everyone was waiting to wonder if he was going to drop the ball and he gets a, a, a deep out for a big third down conversion. Um, he catches another nice ball, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden – he just runs a go right past Rashad Breeland, and there it is. And it was, like, identical to the last time he played a football game. Yeah. <laughs> it, deep ball from Joe Burrow, leaving the cornerback in the dust, catching it down the right sideline and doing the gritty in the end zone, just like he did in the national championship game against Clemson. And this place went bananas. Yeah. And, I mean, it was one of those moments that ignited a fan base. I mean, for – if you're trying to sell tickets, if you're trying to make people in this city believe, if you're trying to sell Jamar Chase and have people not be nervous about your number five overall pick who didn't look so good in the preseason, <laughs> with one play, it was all gone. With one play, it was all good. And I think for the, you know, the arc of what this season looks like, man, a great day for Jamar Chase and uh, a lot to be excited about there, giving them the explosion they so badly needed in the offense. That's what they were missing last year. Yeah. Those are the ones that they missed over and over and over again. And on the first week to hit it and it be that guy dream scenario. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was because that's what gave him the 14 point lead and that's what gave him. They go for this all the time. Well, that's why they defer to try to get, score at the end of the half, score at the beginning of the half. The and Morrison they, minutes. The Morrison minutes. And they did it. <laughs> They score. I mean, they didn't have the. They didn't run the clock out in the first half. Minnesota had a few seconds to kind of work with some, but they come right back out in the third quarter. And I think if that had happened, if that play had happened at any point in the game, you're probably going to people are going to erupt. But it was Joe Burrow hitting the deep ball, which was his hole in his game last year. It was Jamar Case Chase catching it, which has been the hole in his game. And it was taking a 14 point lead in the season opener against a really good defense. It it was. It was just. If this place had a roof, it would have blown off. It was, it was just, it was electric. And they, some of the players talked about how electric it was when they were on defense and the, and the fans. I mean, four false starts for the Vikings in the, in the first half that, that Joe Burrow said that was 100% on the fans. Sometimes we don't really get it because you're, you're in the press box and you're, it's sealed off. You don't really hear the volume of it, but you felt that with the, the, the chase touchdown, this place went crazy. And, you know, 
they here's some things on Joe Burrow's day, and he rolled gets his ankle rolled up on. Okay, mm-hmm. so we'll keep an eye on that. But I, he didn't seem to have any concerns about it. He was walking around fine after mm-hmm. the game, no boots or anything like that. That would scare you. Um, nice Jordans though he was wearing, and then uh, but he, he sets career highs in yards per attempt uh, on at nearly ten. He sets a career high for passer rating at 128.8 and a career high for completion percentage at 74% and a career low for pass attempts in a game Yeah, because they ran the ball and they eventually got Mixon going. It was a slow start. It was slow for them to get it going, but eventually Joe Mixon averages 4.4 per carry. He carries it 29 times. He carries 29 and Burrow throws 27. That's not counting some carries for P. Ryan and stuff. I mean, they stuck with the run game, maybe to a fault in some certain points as we discussed, but go back to it. It's about efficient passing games, win games, mm-hmm. hitting the default when you got the chance, having high completion percentages when you need to get them, making a little bit of extra happen here and there from receivers. That is an efficient passing game, and that's what wins games. And you couple it with getting Mixon going. And I think this this is a Mike Zimmer defense with all its horses. We talked yeah. about that all week. Like, and and Zach Taylor said after the game, I mean, he sure as hell is happy this one's over because that is a gonna a great defense, and they're gonna shut a lot of people down. And I agree. Yeah, I mean, their front is ridiculous, and they they put up twenty seven on them. And they had explosive plays, and it felt like it could have been more. So I think this was a really important day. What injury, right? What injury? What ACL and MCL? Yeah. I mean, the, he is out there taking hits, five sacks, a couple more quarterback hits. He's on the bike trying to get himself loose after rolling his ankle and all this stuff. And he just put the team on his back, including in the biggest moment at the very end. It's why you have Joe Burrow. It's why he's – CJ Uzama nicknamed him franchise, and it, it's why he is who he is, and why everything feels different when number nine is out here. He reminded everybody of that again today. Yeah, and there was one other play where he didn't get hit that was almost kind of a what injury type of play because there was a free runner and he spun away from him and got out. And you know, you, you don't see him doing that a lot in practice in camp or in OTAs, and that he had the confidence to to kind of do that and plant and spin away. Uh, that was a great sign. And then you talked about the passing game efficiency. It was run game efficiency, too, because it was slow, but it wasn't bad. It, there weren't a lot of zero or negative yards. It was just it, it was just kind of grinding it out early. And then Joe starts getting going, and it's it's seven here, it's eight here, it's 12 here. And it was everything they've envisioned this offense to be. Explosive play over the top, efficient passing, efficient run game. Mixing goes over 100. You know, maybe – you're hoping for a little better protection from the offensive line. But again, that's a great Minnesota defense. I, you're not going to say we'll live with five sacks, but you get out of here with the win. Nobody got hurt. You'll, you'll take it and move on. All right, let's just take a quick break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, game ball was given to Evan McPherson, <laughs> uh, who not only pummeled a 53-yarder right down the middle midway through the net, but lines up for his first walk-off kick of his career uh, and and buries it. Uh, you know, I mean, look, I, I kind of had the joke of Evan McPherson's camp was so good. His preseason was so good that you know he's shanking a game-winning attempt because it was like it, – it just almost felt too good to be true. Like there's got to be some other side of this on Bengals' luck. But, and he lined up and, and he buried – I mean for your first professional game to come out there and not only hit a 53-yarder but have to go out there from Randy Bullock's easy Cavs range <laughs> and try to hit the game winner uh, to, to get the win instead of the tie. I mean look – McPherson at the gun was sort of the joke this week, but the last two openers were defined by Randy, in a lot of ways by Randy Bullock misses that would have changed everything. And now you've got this guy who's a real weapon, who's a real weapon. And it made a huge difference in this game. They don't win this game. They don't kick the 53 yarder if Randy Bullock's still their kicker. Right now. They go for it. I don't think they kicked the fifty-three yarder, and but when you know you've got McPherson, you do kick it, and you get three points out of it instead of who knows? Maybe they, who knows what would have happened if they would have gone for it? And you know, that's a that's a big deal, man. And uh, I, I think he's people that took shots at them for taking a kicker in the fifth round aren't doing that today. That's no. for sure. And it was interesting too. I, I, someone asked Evan, you know, what the yard line they were targeting at the end of the game, and a lot of times. They don't answer that. And he said 42, which would have made it a 60-yard attempt if it was the last play of the game. It's not like we're just going to get to the 42 and kick it. That's why you saw him get, you know, hit the hit the big play instead of going for the quarterback sneak and going for it all with the pass to Uzama. But it is. It's, it, it could have almost gone the other way where he was so good. And if he misses that game winner or if he does shank one at some point in this game, you wonder how – what kind of ramifications that would have moving forward if it gets in his head, kind of the way the drops got in Jamar's head early on. And now, after this, 53-yarder, game-winning field goal, carried off the field, game ball. I mean, there's no reason to, to think that guy's ever going to struggle with confidence. Dude's having a pretty good month and a half. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good month and a half. Uh, I am mad at myself. I am frustrated and I apologize that we are 20 whatever minutes into this and I have not mentioned the wrecking crew that was the Bengals defensive line today. We, we, we knew coming into this game that really this first month is full of some offensive lines that are questionable. There are weaknesses of teams. The Bears are going to be the same way next week, same way Minnesota had – some guys who, you know, they're nervous about over there, and that was clear, clearly part of it. Jacksonville, you know, I mean, it, Pittsburgh, all these guys. Um, this is where that very, very expensive defensive line needed to eat 
They needed to own the game. They needed to be game wreckers. And by God, were they ever. And not just were they game wreckers. It was where it came from. It was the exact opposite of every Bengals game you watched last year. Where they, I guarantee you, I'll have to go look at it tomorrow. They got more pressure from the defensive tackle position today than they did all 16 games I last year. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Absolutely. I have, I have no doubt. It was Larry Ogunjobi and B.J. Hill and Josh Tupo. He was not a pressure guy no. before he opted in his rookie. He was a run-stuffing fit to get. He looked like a pass rusher out there. D.J. Reader shoving guys back into their face all game. And then really the outside guys were kind of quietly just holding the edges. while And, and the blitzes were used aggressively with Mike Hilton. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were coming right up in the Cousins' face all game. That's what changes so many things. And it it dominated, really, that first three quarters of the game. Yeah. There was a couple plays where they blitzed, but they didn't get home. But Cousins threw bad in incompletions. That's what, that's what that does. If you can rattle a guy or at least change his vision, it can make a huge difference. And it was. It, Hilton came. Um, I think they blitzed Pratt on one. Von Bell blitzed on one. I mean – Lou Anarumu talked about it where he's, he's, he's got more versatile guys this year and he's going to be more aggressive and he's going to move guys around. And you saw that today. Uh, it was the, the Tupo was maybe the most surprising thing. Larry Ogunjobi looked like he's looked all summer, just destroying people. But yes, Josh Tupo has always been kind of that just run plugger in the middle. I don't know where that came from, but they would love to see more of it. I mean, they've got such a great rotation in there right now. Yeah. If you have Tupo giving you that kind of pressure with – Really, those those four guys, you know, it changes things. You know, we've talked they, – they were in the nickel. They were doing a lot of bringing Cam Sample on inside and going to these three safeties, giving Ricardo Allen some run back there too where to, to turn Von Bell into that sort of hybrid, what Landon Collins was for Lou Anarumo and the Giants, mm-hmm. that hybrid linebacker, which you need in a game where you're a lot of running from Dalvin Cook and things like that too, and you're chasing him out of the backfield. And, and that's great, but – you now can see more of running, you know, BJ Hill and Larry Okunjobi next to each other in pass rushing situations and feel, you know, and not feeling you have to stretch Cam Sample or do something like kick Hubbard inside, which they can't really do as much right now without the depth on the outside. And that, I mean, that goes a long way. And, you know, those, that might be, there's a lot of things to be encouraged about. Some things to be worried about. It might be the most encouraging part of it is, they have definitely fixed that. And they've got three more weeks of some questionable offensive lines to go eat on again and really start this season off the right way. Yeah, you, I mean, you've, you've got me now. Uh, that's the first thing I do when we wrap this up is I'm going to go look because I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many pressures they got. I believe they had – I had it. I think it was like four or five total. Yeah. Because three from – they counted three from Gino. I think Mike Daniels maybe had two. Yeah, I mean and- – so what, B.J. Hill had two sacks today, is that right? And Ogunjobi won, and Tupo was back there a couple times. Yeah, and, and Ogunjobi was back there a lot. He had hits. Uh, you know, you had all you had all of that stuff. You had you had two quarterback hits from B.J. Hill. You had a quarterback hit from Ogunjobi, um, two tackles for loss, uh, and then the sack. So, I mean, you know, three sacks, but they were back there so much more. Right. Forcing incompletions and things like that. That's uh, – Trust me, they're going to be loving watching uh, some tape of the Chicago Bears offensive line all week, <laughs> thinking about what they can yes. go down and recreate. Um, so, Bengals win. They have 
lost games that they deserved to win uh, over the last couple of years. And today they won one that maybe they didn't deserve to necessarily because of the way it ended. Uh, but they played well enough to have themselves in a position where one play could save it there in the end. And starting off 1-0 one and, one and oh is a whole lot better than the opposite. And I do think it can go a long way just on the confidence of this team. Yeah, and it's not it's not like they didn't deserve to win this. They were outmanned and they just got lucky at the end. They did deserve to win it and then they didn't and then they did. So just to just to overcome that that whatever you want to call it, Zach's Zach's risky gamble it didn't pay off and then the every the momentum changes, blowing a 14-point lead, getting the, the again, the Pratt forced fumble was just huge. Yep. It just immediately brought back memories of of Jeremy Hill. Where there's no reason. <laughs> Don't do it. Bengals fans are having a nice day. They're having a nice little day. They're celebrating their big win, and you're out here uttering the name of Jeremy Hill. On it was them. an exorcism. That's yeah. what it was. They, they, should, they should be happy. It was like, you know, not quite the same spot on the field, but going the same way. No, no way a running back of his caliber should fumble in that situation. And, and Pratt stuck him. He got him, and it won him the game. I was talking to somebody inside the Bengals organization this past week who sort of talked about it and said, I mean, I was asking about how they think this season. He said, you, you know, I mean, I like a lot of stuff, but it's, I've liked things before. And sometimes you got to get the break. You got to get the bounce. You got to get the call. You got to not get the injury. And it's feel like we've always been getting the bad call or the bad break or the bad injury over and over and over again. We get those things to go our way. We should be good. They didn't have any injuries. Yep. They got a number of breaks. How about the the ball that went off Mackenzie Alexander's face, face. In, and then ended up in a, tor- a score after that? And they get the Dalvin Cook fumble. Maybe they're starting to get the breaks. Maybe they're starting to get the calls. It didn't get reversed on the yeah. longest reversal ever. <laughs> and maybe that's what they needed to kind of get them to getting the wins. Maybe it is different this year. I don't know. We'll see. It's only week one. Thanks, everybody, for listening to The Walkout. Hope you all have, uh, are nursing your hangover if you're listening to this on Monday or uh, not uh, you know, not too drunk as you listen to us here uh, if you're listening to it on Sunday nights. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you on Tuesday on HTPG as we bring everything back together. Have a good one, everybody.